Now, Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. Hello, good morning. It's Ali Bally with you through until 12 midday with Scotland's talking. Thanks to John for breakfast. On the programme between now and midday, we're hearing from the movie star Michael Sheen about payday loans and the high cost of credit for the people who can afford it least. Life can be hard and it doesn't need to be made any more hard by people out there trying to make as much money as they possibly can out of your difficulties. He's been in Scotland this week on a personal crusade against what he called the companies who target society's poorest. And I'd also like you to tell me if you think £30 is the right limit for how much you can gamble in one go on betting machines in the bookies. Wendy's partner took his life after losing tens of thousands of pounds on them. £100 every 20 seconds is disgusting. There is nobody that earns £100 every 20 seconds. That's £300 a minute. And after the data harvesting scandal, have you fallen out of love with Facebook? I'll be telling you more about what happens every time you click like. It really collects a whole heap of what we call big data to try and build a profile that arguably they know more about you than you might. Music and conversation through until midday. This is Scotland's Talking. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. So I want to talk, first of all, this morning about the high cost of credit and the impact it has on people across Scotland. Quite often, uh, the ones who could afford it the least. It could be payday loans or the firms which charge absolutely eye-watering rates of interest on furniture and household appliances. New limits came into force three years ago, so no one would have to pay back more than twice the amount they borrowed. But is that enough? Well, not according to the movie star Michael Sheen, who was in Glasgow this week on a personal crusade against what he calls companies who target society's poorest. The actor, who is best known for playing Richard Nixon and Tony Blair, has founded the End High Cost Credit Alliance. He's been explaining the idea behind it to our senior reporter Colin Stone for Scotland's Talking. You know, there's a lot of people out there who uh, don't have access to mainstream credit, you know. Everyone should be able to have a bit of help, a bit of financial help when they need it. You never know what's coming down the line. Um, you know, even Christmas or a birthday can be a crisis for some people. Um, and, uh, you know, life can be hard and it doesn't need to be made any more hard by people out there trying to make as much money as they possibly can out of your difficulties. So we want to try and give a leg up to the companies out there who really are trying to create something fairer uh, and, and help them to compete against the big companies who, uh, who, who just, you know, don't take as much responsibility over the people they're lending to at times. Uh, and would you say it's the companies are, are taking advantage of vulnerable people? Well, it's certainly, you know, there is a lot of high-cost credit that is targeted at the people who can least afford it. Um, in the past, there have been some really extreme practices going on that have been reined in in certain uh, instances. I mean, you know, there were, there were business models out there that it seemed were actually built around people not being able to pay the stuff back so that they could make more money off them in some instances. That that has to be eradicated. That has to be gotten rid of. Um, there are companies out there that are much smaller companies who are not-for-profit not companies. So any money they make is not going to shareholders or big bonuses for people. That's going back into the company to try and bring the cost of lending down as much as it can. Now, the cost of lending is still very high, even with those companies. But that's because they have a lot fewer people borrowing money off them. They don't have as much money to spend on marketing and that kind of stuff, so people don't know about them as much. So the more people we can get aware of those companies, the more people we can send their way, um, then the lower that APR will come, the, the, the cost of borrowing, um, and the fairer deal there will be for, for everyone. You know, everyone should have access to, to this kind of stuff. It shouldn't just be people like me who can afford it. It should be for, you know, you shouldn't be punished for, for not having as much. Do you think, uh, you know, after your involvement in this and, and comments and other matters, you'd ever consider a move into to politics or, or something similar? Why on earth would I do that? Um, at the moment, you know, I think that's part of why 
uh, I, I founded this alliance is that, like I said, I want to get all the experts around the people who, are, who can make a difference, but I bring something that is different to what they can bring as well. I have a certain freedom and independence about what I'm doing. I'm not having to toe any party line. I'm not looking for your votes. I'm not uh, making money out of it. Um, you know, I, I, I've got my own money. I've got my own me access to media platforms. Um, and uh, uh, you know, this, this can't be about political ideology. This has to be across all political parties. This is about being pragmatic and getting something done. And just because it can't immediately become perfect doesn't mean we shouldn't try and take it bit by bit, day by day, tomorrow a bit better than today, and go on like that. Then we can actually make a difference to people, you know. So I think I am able to bring something that can make things a little bit more effective. I can get people in a room together that might not want to sit in a room together, even if it's just to, you know, sign their Twilight DVD for their daughter or something. Um, and uh, so I think I bring that to it. If I was to give up my independence, give up that kind of freedom, then I might be a lot less effective. So for now, it's fine as it is. Uh, and at today's conference, what is the message that you want people to, to take from what you're going to say? Well, that this is a fight for fairness. And there are people out there who need a fairer deal. And there are people who are trying to give it to them who should also get a fairer deal, you know, and get more support. Um, so that's, that's essentially, you know, th this is a complicated issue, but there is something simple at the heart of it. So I want to make sure that people know there are alternatives, there are fairer, more responsible alternatives out there. Um, and we all have a part to play in supporting them. You know, this isn't a campaign. It's not something I'm lending my name to or a sort of side project. Um, uh, my focus now, moving ahead, is to find a balance to allow me to be able to let my acting career now fund and enable me to do the kind of work that I'm doing, which is about looking at the biggest challenges that our communities face and seeing what I can do to help. You know, a big part of what I bring is the profile and, and, and the fact that I have my own financial independence. So I don't want to lose that. Um, but I also need to give the time, the commitment of time and, and energy and focus that these issues need. Michael Sheen talking there to our senior reporter Colin Stone. So have you been affected by payday loans? Is it something that you, you found necessary? Uh, is it a necessary evil or is it something that you just think, well, I, I've got to pay that back, but has it caused you problems? You know, that, that's, that's what I'd like to know. 0333-2020-401 is the number. Uh, if you'd like to join us, uh, talk to us and give us your experience. Uh, joining me now is Laurie Morgan-Klein. Uh, good morning to you, Laurie. Um, you're from Step Change Scotland. Tell, tell us a wee bit about what that does. Well, Step Change is a free debt advice charity. Um, so basically people can call us up um, with their, if they're struggling with problem debt and we can talk them through um, what their options are, advise them, and quite crucially, we can speak to your creditors for you. You'll speak to people your money and we can take some of that pressure off, um, you know, pressuring phone calls, pressuring letters, and everyone knows what it's like to have something you're worried and you're nervous about. Um, you just want it to, to go away, and it can be very difficult to take that first step. But I would really urge people to take that first step. Everyone who is always, always says when they speak to us, they feel better. They feel better just for having sort of begun to take a grip and get that, that advice. If you if you have gone to that stage, uh, Laurie, where you are getting inundated with letters coming through the post, phone calls saying we want that money, it's now going up every day, then, you know, you, you do, I'm sure, uh, many people will just put their heads sort of not quite into the sand, but just thinking, oh, go away, please, and looking for somewhere to turn to. So I take it from what you're saying, that is what Step Change Scotland does, steps That's in true. and organises it. That's right. We help you. People will phone us up and one of our advisors will we'll go through what's coming in and what's going out. Um, we'll go through all your different debts and we'll come up with a, a solution and a recommendation of sort of next steps we can take. That might be um, sort of a repayment plan or other options that could be available just to, to help you get debt free and get yourself back on a, a firm footing. Um, so last year in Scotland, we saw nearly 20,000 people contact us um, and what we're seeing is, is again, as, as Michael was saying, it's, it's vulnerable people, it's people who, and I mean, we saw 14% of people who contacted us, they were in problem debt because of, and um, they were unwell or they were disabled and, you know, that maybe their sick pays run out or they've they're just not got any money coming in anymore. So they've, they've had commitments they've been able to meet, but now 
you know, they've they've gone to other credits to try and balance one against the other, and now they're they're back in the, the in what we call a debt spiral. So you know, you you go to one provider, um, and then you can't keep up with that. So you have to go to another provider, and you, you're 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 kind of balancing them off against the mm. other. So we we saw fourteen percent illness or disability, and twenty percent of people who contacted us it was because they they lost their job or they, they saw their income go down. And that's the, 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 the reality. It's people who, um, it's, everything's been okay. They've been maintaining their commitments, but something's happened that they couldn't have planned for or prevented, and they get caught in this sort of spiralling spiraling debt. There's no shame in asking for help, is there? Absolutely not, absolutely not. Um, you know, everybody uh, goes through difficulties, everybody encounters challenges in life, and coming and asking for help is actually the right thing to do. It's the courageous thing to do. It's the thing to say, well, look, oh, I'm not sure where to turn here. Let's get some advice. And our money advisors, they're very well trained. They're well qualified to, to go through and help you, talk you through what your options can be. I mean, people, you know, if they wouldn't hesitate to, you know, get advice. Perhaps if they were thought there was something wrong, they're unwell. You know, if, if this is the same thing, mm-hmm. it's, it's a simple thing to do. Just go pick up the phone and call us or another free. We can give you some advice. Right. How do we get in touch? How does someone listening to the programme uh, this morning who finds himself in that situation and who really needs just that little bit of a, a, a push to ask for help, this is when they should be doing it. If they find themselves uh, up to their eyes and it needs something sorted out, wondering who to turn to, how do they get in contact with Step Change Scotland? Well, there's two ways they can get in touch with us. So Monday to Friday, 8 to 8, and they can call us on 0800 128 Saturday, that's 8 to 4 p.m. But you can also, today, you can go online and we've got a, a debt remedy tool, it's called. So if you go to the Step Change website and follow the options for debt remedy, that essentially is, is online debt advice. So you, you, you plug in your information and um, that will you know begin the process of, of advising you then. Um, there's two two versions. It's the phone phone line, um, eight to eight Monday to Friday, Excellent. and debt remedy. Thank you very much indeed, Laurie. That number again uh, is 0800-128-1111 and uh, Step Change Scotland online. Uh, take that forward there. Laurie, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the programme. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. So there you are. If you are finding that you're in debt and you would like some help and it's free from uh, Step Change Scotland, let them see how they, if they can sort something out for you. If you have taken a loan and some of the... the uh, um, when you see them on the telly coming up, you know, these these loans, if you look at the small print and, and look at the percentage of interest rate that they're charging, some of them are absolutely horrendous. Uh, but So if you've, if you've got into that, uh, tell us your story. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. We've been talking debt, if you have just joined us. And here's one in on... Uh, uh, Texas this morning, it always makes me angry when loan companies are quite happy to give people loans, not knowing if they're in a position to pay it back. And when they're not able to, they're hounded by the loan company and find themselves in a position that there is no way back. And in some cases, they end up taking their own lives. I know that that's that must be a horrendous situation. But do, do the loan companies... You know, if, if you work for one, maybe you can answer me this. Do loan companies, as as um, the, this listener is saying here, not make checks to see if people can pay it back? There must be some sort of checks. I mean, they don't just hand out money knowing that somebody could be disappearing with it, surely. Uh, there must be some sort of checks on that. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know. As I say, maybe somebody could tell me. O treble three twenty twenty four o one. And one in from a gentleman in the name of Richard. Just, uh, please just call me Richard. I've had to get a short-term loan on a couple of occasions. Yes, the interest rate is high, but if you need cash urgently, and if you're sitting as, as a single parent as I am with no job, two kids, and the electric has run out, and there's not a lot of food, then sometimes necessity, and you worry you put it to the back of your mind. You know that if you borrow £100, you're going to pay in a lot more back. But sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and go for it and worry about paying it back when it's time to pay it back. What a vicious circle, Richard. That is a vicious circle to be in. Um, but he says, he is saying, you know, people shouldn't knock 
the, um, the high interest rates because they are providing a service. Is this not then what um, our, our guest was saying earlier on, Michael Sheen? He was saying, you know, that people who can least afford it, these, these companies are, are preying on them. Uh, should there be some sort of system where, uh, as Michael says, everybody, it could be Christmas, it could be birthdays coming up, it could just be, you know, as, as Richard was saying, run out of money. Uh, you know, I've run out of money <laughs> many a time. Yes, and, and wondered, how am I going to get from A to B because I don't have any more money? Um, so I've been there. You know, I remember doing travelling to a radio station to do a radio show that I'd been asked to do at the weekends. And it was at the other side of the country. And it wasn't until I got there that I realised the bank account was empty, which is why I was doing extra shows, and I had no money to put the petrol in to get back. <laughs> so been there, been there. Uh, Richard says, don't knock those companies because they are there providing a service. And sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and go for the service. Richard, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, and to Liz as well, who gave me the other comment there. Or treble three twenty twenty four oh one. If you've been in that situation, uh, what do you feel about the high cost of credit, as was being talked about by movie star Michael Sheen, who was in Glasgow this week, uh, and he's launched and founded the High Cost, uh, sorry, the End High Cost Credit Alliance. Let's go to Philip. Good morning, Philip. How do you, Alex? I'm all right, thank you. Right, what's your thoughts on this then? Well, Mr. Benut was thinking top it because I, like everybody else, have had my money worries in the past. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't entertain any of the exorbitant rates that these loan companies that you see advertised on the television are charging. Yeah, I think it's... And I know what you're saying. You, you know, we have had... Oh, had money worries in the past. But, you know, like... Um, what was his name? Richard, who's saying that if you get to that situation, that there is no other place to turn and you need to provide for your family. Um, it's, it's, they are used, obviously. These companies are used. Yeah. Well, what I would recommend, Ali, I found this it's a hard experience. If you've got a bank account, right, go and see your bank and see if they can help you. Mm -hmm. Right. If they can't help you, right, uh, and you say you have to go to a loan company, ask the bank staff if they know a reputable company that doesn't rip you off. Right. I mean, money is their, banks, uh, money is their business. So they, they know what they're talking about, and they'll give you unbiased advice. And there's quite a few of the community credit companies around now as well, isn't there? Credit unions. Credit yes, unions, yes, yes, yes. yeah. Yeah, I've seen them advertised on the television. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's another, that's another, yeah. But uh, uh, what I would advise, like, from experience, Ali, like, if you're going to borrow a loan from these companies, only do so if you're quite clear, with a shadow of a doubt, you can pay the loan off quickly, mm -hmm. right? then, uh, then uh, the, the interest will be reduced and you'll get off fairly, right? The problem is, right, is when you can't repay it off quickly and you have to renew and keep renewing, and that's when the interest starts swelling up. Right. It's, it's the same as well if you, if you add things onto credit cards, isn't it? I mean, if you don't pay it off, uh, the, you know, we hear quite often the, uh, the advice from the, the money man on television saying, you know, at the end of the month, pay it off, and if you don't pay it off, then it adds on and it, it's quite easily just accrues very, very quickly. Yeah, well, I have a credit card, only one, I'm glad to say, uh, and I hardly, rarely use it, you know. Mm -hmm. I actually prefer to use a debit card if I'm going to pay by car plastic. Right, right. Because you don't get charged interest on it. That's it, yeah, yeah. yeah. OK, Philip, thank you very much indeed for your, your thoughts on that. And just a reminder of Step Change Scotland, if you do find yourself in money problems and uh, debt problems, money's uh, uh, running away from you and you want some advice, then uh, seriously, they're very good and they can help out, uh, as we heard from uh, Laurie earlier on, who's with Step Change Scotland. You can go online and find them there or you can give them a call on 0800 128 you're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. Have you fallen out of love with Facebook? A lot of us who use the social network may have been shocked this week to discover how much it knows about us, who it sells that information to, and really what they do with it. The British company Cambridge Analytica is being accused of harvesting millions of people's data and using it 
to predict and influence elections, including Donald Trump's victory in the race for the White House. As the scandal became one of the biggest news stories around the world, Facebook's founder, Mark Zuckerberg, came out and said this. This was a major breach of trust, and, and I'm really sorry that this happened. Um, you know, we have a basic responsibility to protect people's data, and if we can't do that, then, then we don't uh, deserve to have the opportunity to serve people. He says there's no sign of a meaningful number of people deleting their accounts. But the hashtag delete Facebook has been trending. Even before the scandal broke, have you found yourself spending less time on Facebook? Perhaps because of the adverts, the fake news, or just the things your so-called friends post? Yeah, I must admit, I read some things on Facebook and I think, that's not really what Facebook's for. I mean, do we really want to know what everybody's having for breakfast or indeed the latest family crisis? Is that really what it's all about? Gary Ennis is an expert in social media and he spoke to Rob Waller for Scotland's Talking from the Working Digital, Digital Conference in Kilmarnock. I have seen quite a lot of the uh, hashtag delete Facebook. I've also seen the hashtag boycott Facebook and ironically I've seen some of them actually on Facebook, which is a bit bizarre, and um, mainly on Twitter of course. Um, but yeah, I do think that people are beginning to sit up and take more notice of, of Facebook and the whole ethical stance of what they do with people's data, how it's being used, how it's being exploited. Certainly in the workshops we run, now keep in mind most of the businesses that come to these workshops are indeed that, they're businesses. And Facebook for them is, a, I suppose, a little bit of a marketeer's dream. It allows them to do very pinpoint targeted marketing, targeted advertising, which from their perspective is great because they can find exactly the right customer who they believe want their product. But I suppose one of the problems is, you know, what they see as ethical, sometimes the consumer's view is a little bit different. How much are we giving away when we're using the site, you know, when we're using Facebook, when we're just innocently clicking, you know, like and, and share or, or whatever? Facebook essentially track all of your activity online. Uh, and I don't just mean on Facebook, a little bit more of that in a second. So you're, you're absolutely right. When you click on things, when you click like, when you comment, when you share, you're showing an affinity to certain businesses, to certain friends, to certain keywords and bits of content. And Facebook use all of this to build a profile about you. It tries to, tries to work out who you are, what you're into, uh, what your uh, affiliations are and the like. Um, it also looks at all of the pages you've clicked like and again are showing a very strong uh, allegiance to. You clearly like certain things. But then it actually gets a little bit, and a lot of people when I describe this in the workshops get a little bit creepy here. Um, it starts to look at what you do off Facebook. An awful lot of marketeers and big business websites that when you're on them away from Facebook, they're collecting data on you and sending it back to Facebook. So again, things you do offline, things you do um, in the real world. Uh, again, weirdly, you can get things now called Facebook beacons which might actually be situated in local shops and you walk in there with your mobile phone, well, Facebook now knows you've been in that shop. It knows where you are. So it really does. It really collects a whole heap of what we call big data to try and build a profile that arguably they know more about you than you might. And I suspect many of us just don't realise this at all. And I suppose we're putting an awful lot of trust in people, both both in Facebook, but also the companies that they deal with. And now we find out that perhaps there's companies like Cambridge Analytica uh, are doing things with it that we'd rather they didn't do. What are we supposed to do as users? Is the only option, just as the hashtag says, delete Facebook if this does make you uncomfortable? I think one of the good things that's come out of the, the whole data scandal from Cambridge Analytica is more of an awareness that the consumers now have about their data and the value of their data. Um, and I think, um, you know, it's quite funny because over the years, Facebook, you know, the, the consumers, the users of Facebook have had a bit of a love-hate relationship with it. We've loved to hate them, but, you know, people over the years have, have loved to, you know, moan about it, moan about our, our obsession with it, our addiction to it, and more recently, the privacy aspects of it, the fact that, you know, my goodness, my privacy settings have been set to default yet again on the latest Facebook update. But what's always funny is, you know, while we while we have these rants and moans, you know, their numbers aren't decreasing. People are still still there. They're still using it. And I think what's what's most important is that we all increase our awareness and understanding of what is actually being used um, and and know what our kind of rights are. So one of the things we show people at the workshops is how to first and foremost know 
what Facebook is is actually beginning to collect on you. So if you go and browse your newsfeed um, and find a, a sponsored ad, and trust me, it's nearly always the second thing you'll see in your newsfeed. Um, if you click on the three wee dots next to any sponsored ad, you'll see this pop up that says, why am I seeing this ad? And Consumers on Facebook should click that, they should get a bit of an understanding as to why that advertiser is advertising to them. And again, then there's another little link that you can click to open up a whole load more data on what it knows about you and why you're being targeted for certain things. Now once you're in there, you can start to control some of those settings, you can start to tweak and change it. You can change everything. If you really don't want Facebook knowing anything about you and therefore not sending anything that it thinks is relevant to you, then I'm afraid it almost is a case of, well, do you know what? As much as we might love love it, because many people do, um, maybe it is time to, to delete or to boycott. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. Wow. Uh, Gary Innes there with some great information going into the news feed and things. I'll be doing that today. Uh, find out what they know about me. So what do you think about Facebook then? We'll be talking more about that after the news at the top of the hour. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. I'm Ali Bally. We've been talking this morning, just in case you have waken up and forgot to sort the clocks. <laughs> it is seven minutes now after 11. And um, we were talking about credit earlier on, uh, with a few more comments coming on that, uh, regarding payday loans as well and the high interest that is charged and, and, and listening to uh, the actor who played Richard Nixon and Tony Blair. Uh, he was telling us, and that's Michael Sheen, was telling our reporter Colin Stone why he has set up um, the End High Cost Credit Alliance. And also hearing from uh, Laurie Morgan Klein about Step Change Scotland, who can help you, who can help you if you are in some debt and need some advice. Uh, also, just before the news, they're talking about Facebook. Have you fallen out of love with Facebook? And Gary Innes was giving us some advice. And he was right. I went in, uh, during the, the 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 news there. I went in to my Facebook and to the news feed, and he was right. The second one down was an advert, and I clicked onto the three dots that he was talking about there, and it, it told me why I'd got that. They were wrong. They said it was on the such information I'd given them, but um, they were targeting a certain age group. I'm not in that age group that they were targeting, but there we go. That's why I got that ad, which was of no use to me at all. Um, but I'll look at the settings a little later on. So if you've got a comment on Facebook, you know, I want to hear a wee bit more about that. Is it something that, and I have heard a lot of people say, yeah, I used to be on it a lot, but I'm not now. And then there are those who are never off it, you know, who will post a photograph of anything, anywhere, at any time. Gina comes to mind. <laughs> anyway, um, if you are quite happy with Facebook, if you find that's the way you like to communicate, fine, there's nothing wrong with that. I do find it's irritating sometimes who people go on and give their family history and rows that they're having with their mother-in-law or their, their, their you know, it's just, it's just, why are you telling us this on Facebook? I don't give a monkeys. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, just the way they come through, I suppose. Or, indeed, have you decided, I've had enough. I don't want to do Facebook anymore. It was a nice little phase, but I don't want to do it. Or, have you tried that? And then, after a few days, gone back on again. Has it taken control of your life? Oh, treble three, 2020, 401. Have you fallen out of love, or are you still totally in love with Facebook and think it's the best thing since sliced bread? Uh, give me a call. Let me know. A uh, couple of calls here. Let's go to Stuart, first of all. Hi, Stuart. Good morning, Ali. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. Yourself? I'm very well, thank you. I'm just phoning uh, about the, the payday loans. OK. And just, I don't know, I understand why the actual, the government are letting them charge so that the high interest rates. I'm pretty sure these companies were capped in America. Mm-hmm. Because they weren't allowed to charge, because when you think on it, they're just exploiting people and putting people, as you say, putting people into debt they're not going to go to. I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand why the government, because another point I noticed on your Twitter feed was, like, the gambling thing mm -hmm. as well, because they're, they're, they're trying to cap the gambling amounts. So yep. why can't they do it for these, these uh, payday loan companies? Payday loans, yeah. 
Uh, we'll hear more about the the gambling in a few minutes, so we're talking about that. But you're yeah. right, we, we are. That's that's where you can go in and use the the old puggy machines in the the um, in the the bookies, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's that's what they're looking at capping there. Yeah, well, yeah. So I, I don't I just, understand yeah. why they can't do the same with the, the interest rates on mm. the financial companies because some, when you look at my the, the, the advertising on the television, some of the interest rates are astronomical. I think eye-watering. Eye-watering is a discussion. Exactly, 3,000%. I know. I, I, there was one one afternoon I was watching, it was 4,000 and something percent. And I no, thought, why? That is just crazy. But you're saying that the government should possibly come in and take a look at that and cap it. Of course. Of yeah, course, well, I get... I get of people, it's wrong. But does that it's not come wrong. in again against free choice? You know, it, it, why, you know, you can't say that the government are interfering in our lives by doing this, that and the other and then say, oh, by the way, you should be in capping. If somebody wants to open up as, I, I think you've got to have a licence to do it anyway, to be a, a money lender, pawnbroker or whatever. Um, but if somebody wants to open up and do that and, and charge extortionate rates, surely it's up to us as the individuals to say we're not going to go there. If that's if that's the way, it shouldn't be up to government to say you can't open up. It should be up to us to make the choice as I, to whether I, we I, use I, them. I, I suppose you're right. I, as the person's choice, where they want to get into that amount of debt. But like I say, surely they've got a they've got a duty because, as I say, it's, it's exploitation of people. As I say, their interest rates, people are getting into debt. As I say, with the gambling thing, people are getting into debt with that, but that's going. To, they're going to try and cap it. Mm -hmm. So how can they not do the same for that? Three thousand percent is beyond belief. Have you ever I, have you I ever used that, any? Have you ever used any I'm, of these? No, 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 no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even dare. As I say, if I was, if I was to take a loan from one of these companies, you're tied to them for the foreseeable future. There's no way you're getting out of that. There's no way you're getting out of that sort of debt. Mm. Uh, it's interesting to hear from. Uh, Somebody who works in these places because we're, you know, for a few people painting them black as you like, but they're providing a service. People are using them, so there must be a need for them. You know, we did actually ask the Consumer Finance Association if they wanted to come onto the show to discuss particularly yeah. Michael Sheen's campaign, but they say they don't think his criticism apply to short-term credit industry because they are price capped already. So they are capped. They are capped. Goodness knows what then <laughs> they're capped out, you know. yeah. but yeah, but uh, again, the, I think they, there are people who will find that they can't get the money anywhere else, and that's why no. they use it. That's why they use it. I suppose it's okay when they're, they're saying the, if you pay back within maybe thirty days, they don't charge any interest. If you can maybe take a loan up to hundred pounds, and actually, if you can pay up within thirty days, you don't have to pay an interest. That's all very well. That's right. So you, you, you know what I mean. You pay it, or you take another loan out so that you can pay it for another 30 days, and then you take another loan out. I can see yeah. it. Get, you just get into that cycle then, don't you? Yeah. Okay, Stuart, thank you very much thank indeed. Very much for Thanks for your Alex. comments. Cheers, Cheers bye -bye. now. Bye-bye. John, good morning. Good morning, Ali. How are you, my friend? I'm all right, thank you. Now, what's your thoughts on this? Now, well, first of all, let me go to the, the payday loans and things like that. We live in a country now, Ali, where... Um, everything is going up round about us, taxis, VAT, everything, bar the wages. It's been somewhere in the region of 67 years since the working class men of this country had a decent wage rise. And it's got to the extent now where there is people going out and doing a 40-hour week and can't afford to feed their kids because of and things like zero-hour contracts and stuff like that. So it used to be that you you work to live, and now you live to work in this country. And you talk, it, it all comes to the same problem, desperation. People are going to payday loans. People are going to bookies and putting money they can't afford to try and make ends meet. And the bottom line is that it's the government that should be giving us a decent working wage. To, to sort this out, Ali. And nobody else is solely down to the government. Now, if I can point out to you, 15 years ago, you hardly seen a pawn shop in, in, in Glasgow anyway. you never seen them. Now they're springing up all over the place. We're going back to the 1800s and the early 1900s 
where people, the working classes were desperate. They went and pawned their suit to make ends meet and then went and got it back out again on a Sunday. This is a deliberate act by the government. So why doesn't the people of this country turn and say, enough's enough. If, we, if I'm going out today a 40-hour week, I want enough money to feed myself, pay my bills, and put a bit of money in the bank. Because the way it is just now, you're going out, you're working a 40-hour week, a 50-hour week, a 60-hour week, the weekend doesn't exist anymore, and you're only making ends meet. Ali, mm-hmm. it's, it's wrong. It's totally wrong. And people should wake up and smell the coffee because this is a deliberate act. A deliberate act, you say, by the government, but surely it's, you know, how can you blame the government? I'm trying to work this out, how the, the blame ends on the government's doorstep here. doesn't matter which party is in, would you say? Is it, is it all parties that need well, to do something about it? I mean, yes, what, what, would, what would make the difference then, John? Well, what they should do is they should have the working class wage, average wage linked to inflation. So inflation goes up, the wages go up. Right, so That's you're saying the there should be a, a higher minimum rate? Yes, of course there should. Because, and the minimum rate should be after tax, not before tax. Right, I'm with you. Okay. And how because many... Because they're taxing us. They're taxing us when we earn. They're taxing us after we've earned. They're taxing us when we put our pensions in. They're taxing us every cut and corner. 70-odd percent tax in fuel tax, every tax, council tax, it's all there. But the wages are making up, Ali. It's common sense that says that we can't make it. And it's down to the government. Tie the wages into inflation. Inflation goes up, so does your wages. So what would happen to companies, uh, even small companies, I suppose large companies, that would see their wage bill going up and they would find it difficult to to continue in business? What would happen to those jobs then? But surely business would be better when the working class people have got more money to spend. Because the people who are earning the money they're now only spending the money, they're banking it, Ali. They can afford to bank it. Working class men spend their money. They, do, they don't bank it, they spend it. They make everything work. But when you've no got it to spend, you can't do it. Okay. I'm with you on that. Well, wait. Let's leave that open and see if if anybody agrees with you that it's it's the government that are to blame here. Um, I, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm sitting on the fence on this one, John, because I'm not quite sure where we're going with it. But it'll be an interesting one if you if you agree or disagree with John. Give me a call. Oh, treble three, twenty twenty four oh one. But as far as the um, the emergency loans are concerned, you can surely understand, John, why some people need to use them. Yes, well, as I say, Ali, if you're out there in a 40-hour week and you come home and you pay all the demands that the government and the council and everybody else put out tax and electricity and gas and all the rest of it, and you can't feed your wings, you're going to go, you're going to be desperate enough to go anywhere to get that money to feed your kids. It's a sense of pride. It's a sense of working-class pride. I've got to feed my kids no matter what happens. John, thank you very much indeed. Ian, good morning. Good morning. Ian, what's your thoughts? Facebook. Mm-hmm. All right, good. And social media. Yeah, in social general. In, I was just going to say in general, right, okay. I run an online company. All right. The number of people on Facebook that have no profiles alarms me. Occasionally we get requests to become friends with us. Mm-hmm. We don't know them from Adam. Yeah. And when you enter the profile, there's nothing there. Now, I've just installed additional software, which the trackers won't like because they don't know where I'm based. I can change to a virtual server every hour of the day. In fact, I, I was blocked from going into a British site because my server was set to the USA. <laughs> but Google, no Google, Google's is bad. Amazon is, in my opinion, worse. Go on, go on Amazon today, check out an item, and see how many emails you get straight after it. And that will continue for four or five days. 
people are not aware that it's an information gathering mm-hmm. service. And too many people don't read the terms and conditions because in the my terms and conditions, you do business on my website, we will not sell any details that you provide us with to any third party. Because there's huge amounts of money getting made on the social media and from companies' websites where they sell your data on. Data is a very valuable and important thing. And the word that people are not understanding is just exactly what data means. That means they tell everybody, anything you give them in the way of information, they, if they haven't stated that they're not going to pass it on, then you're wide open to anything that comes. Now, I get alarmed. Because the reason I put additional software in, the amount of Bitcoin emails, etc., I was receiving started concerning me. But... False, I've reported false profiles to e- e- I know somebody with three uh, Facebook accounts. They're all under different names. Right. I, I must did nothing. I must be um, a good choice then for people because I, I for for Facebook because on my Ali Bali Show page. Uh, because uh-huh. because it is mainly I would hope listeners that are um, asking to be friends. I normally say yes anyway because I want them to know what's happening on my show. So uh-huh. I'm, say, I'm saying yes to these people, but occasionally I say no to those who come up, as you say, with no photograph, no profile, no idea where they are, or if I get friend requests from other parts of the world that I can't, I know won't be listening to the show and have no interest in the show or I get a little bit suspicious about. Yeah, I but do- you're intelligent. Yeah, I don't think I'm that intelligent with Facebook. I'll be quite honest with you. I think I give well, too much away. There's an ego in this that people next to their names, 2,000 friends. I've no idea. About... Really? I've, I've no uh-huh. idea. You see, there you are. I'm not intelligent at all. It's, it's they, not they, want to build up the, the, they don't understand. Also, they don't understand anything they post on my personal page. I've got a public timeline. What does that mean? It means anybody that can get access to my page will see everything. Right. Apart from one friend I've got who asked me to set the settings of anything he posts that nobody else can see it because he was sending me pictures of his granddaughter and he didn't want them to be in the public domain. Right, right. This is another thing. You, The schools are excellent at this. I must praise the education system. They tell people if you're at a show where there's kids involved, by all means take photos of your own kids but do not put in any social media site any photograph that contains anybody else's child. Mm-hmm. And there's 101 reasons for that. Yep, yep. You could have a mother who is in a, not a witness protection, but she's basically not wanting her partner to know where she is because of domestic abuse. And it can be traced through a photo. People uh- don't realise how dangerous these social media sites are. Ian, to have the knowledge that you have, I must admit I'm uh, a bit envious because I, I, I do admire people who know. I'll tell you how much this sickens me. Right. I have friends in Winter Park, which are just outside Orlando. We have a friend who I asked all my friends, do not post anything that I'm in Orlando because I can't be bothered driving up the High Four at the moment. The roadworks are horrendous. And my American friends knew I was in Orlando before I'd I'd arrived. (laughs) Yeah. Because somebody put on, have a great holiday in Florida. Right, of course. And And that's how dangerous it really is. Even even doing that is very dangerous because then people Uh know exactly. Because they were ready for, why are you not coming up to see us for? I made the excuse, I've got family with me. Mm -hmm. But people don't understand that the freedom of knowledge is frightening. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. It's exactly 11.30. Good morning. Back on the phone lines, Willie Tracy's here. Good morning, Willie. Good morning, Ali. Ali, uh, I'm on in support of what John was saying. You, you were asking how can you blame the government. I blame the government entirely. Uh, eight years ago... The Tories 
with the help of the Lib Dems, usurped, and I use that word usurped wisely, the, the government of this country and have held on to, with the use of the DUP, uh, held on to power. And they haven't missed a minute in that time reducing the living standards of ordinary working people in this country. A deliberate policy of driving down wages, keeping people in fear of losing their jobs. Austerity is the biggest lie that has ever been told. And the outcome, the part of all that has resulted in companies uh, bank, uh, so-called banking companies. I remember in the early 70s when I started reading about e economics, I, I read that there was a thing called usury, and that's where people charged exorbitant prices for credit and uh, loans. Mm -hmm. And that was generally referred to for, for money lenders. And these companies that are formed are in my opinion, nothing more than legalised money lenders. They're, they're seeing a market where people are struggling and they're stepping in to give them money that they, they can't afford. They can't afford to take that money, but they've got to. They're, they're squeezed in such a way from all sides, which begins with the government's policies, they skillfully put in all these new laws, all these things, reduce this bit, reduce that bit, reduce the next bit, until people have very, very little leeway. They have a, a minimum amount of money to live on, and if something goes wrong, they look around, there is no other help than these high-interest people. But what about us taking responsibility for our own lives and, and saying, no, we're not going to use them? That's that's fine and well, Ali, if, if you can. But there are, these people are targeting the people have, who have no other avenue. I mean, other, some people can, can get loans from family, they can get help from somebody else, but these are the people who are driven down, who have nothing, virtually nothing, and who have no other recourse but to use high-interest lending facilities to try and keep going, which only exacerbates what's happening to them. Right, well, thank you very much indeed for, for your comments on that. And um, I think we'll return to it probably before the end of the programme. We've been talking about high interest, payday loans, uh, the whole uh, thing there in the, in the last hour. So uh, keep this course coming in, treble 3, 2020-401. And it sort of links as well here because um, I'd like to know whether you think the action being proposed on gambling machines goes far enough. And again, it's sometimes, and, and one of our callers earlier mentioned this, that um, people who are looking for money uh, sometimes think that by putting a couple of quid in a, a, a machine into, in a, a bookmaker's uh, is going to answer all their, their problems and they'll get their money back. Well, the Gambling Commission has been taking a look at the restrictions on playing what they call fixed-odds betting terminals. These are things like roulette game machines that you find in betting shops. The recommendation is that you shouldn't be able to put more than £30 in them in one go. But they're proposing a £2 limit on fruit machines. Now, is that right? We're going to hear now from Wendy from Aberdeenshire, whose partner Lee took his own life after losing tens of thousands of pounds on the terminals. She told Phil McDonald about their story and why she's so disappointed by the proposed limit. Lee was a normal, happy, um, just generally normal, happy, healthy man. He enjoyed his work, he enjoyed his home life, just everything that a normal person would. Football, seeing friends, family. So how did he start betting and what kind of bets was he placing? Lee told me that he started gambling around about 20 years before he actually died. So he would have been around 20, 18, 19, 20 kind of age group. Um, what he was doing was doing the fruit machines in the pubs and restaurants, 
that's where he first started and the, the kind of addiction and the want began, if you like. Um, he plays football bets, which he didn't see as an issue. It was just a bit of fun with his friends, um, you know, placing football bets for the weekend. But the main issue, well, his only issue began when he started on the FOBTs, which had been for a couple of years. And that's where it became out of control. Lee admitted his addiction in February 2014. That's when he first attempted suicide and he was forced to be upfront and honest about the addiction and how much he was losing um, and when it began. He said there's around about 40 or 50,000 pounds that he'd gambled. Now these are ridiculous amounts of monies that Lee wasn't earning. Um, as with most people that are actually gambling, unfortunately these are subsidised by payday loans, um, obtaining money from other places. Um, so yeah, February was when he, he first became upfront about it. Until then, there'd certainly been no indication that the gambling was as serious as it was. How do you feel about the new restrictions on fixed odds betting terminals and what the government's trying to do? I feel it's vital that there are massive improvements made on the maximum stake on the FOBTs. As we're all aware, the FOBTs are known as the crack cocaine of gambling. They're compared to a Class A drug. You don't hear the government bartering on the street to reduce the price of a bag of cocaine. So I really don't understand why it's taken this length of time to try and reduce the stake. £100 every 20 seconds is disgusting. There is nobody that earns £100 every 20 seconds. That's £300 a minute. It is it's so important to reduce it. Um, the people that these machines are targeting don't have this kind of money. They're in the poorest areas. If you look around Aberdeen, you were to go into the what's deemed as a nice area and what's deemed as a poor area, you won't find these machines or the bootmakers lining the streets of Queen's Road or Ferry Hill or any other area. And if you go into the lower, again, deemed lower areas of Aberdeen, they're full of them. The people that are going in there don't have the money to be losing. And it's, they're aiming them at younger and younger people. And once they go in there and the, the addiction takes over, they can't get out of it. They, they need to come off the streets. I know that's not likely to happen. A £30 curb is not good enough. That's still £90 every minute. That's £90 a minute that people don't have. The only way of reducing the dangers and reducing the risk is by taking them down to £2. To take them in line with the slot machines and with all the other gambling machines on the high street. To take the slot machines down to £2 yet leave the roulette, which is the danger, at £30 is it's just horrific. There isn't actually another word for it. Yet again, the government at the moment are looking to put profit before people, and that isn't an acceptable solution. Wendy Bendell from Aberdeenshire talking there to Phil McDonald. The Association of British Bookmaker, Bookmakers says it fully understands public's concern but claims a £30 maximum stake would see 2,100 betting shops closed and 10,000 jobs lost. The government's expected to announce its decision on the review in the coming weeks. So what should they do? What do you think? Is the £30 the right limit? Should it be lower or should it be protecting jobs and higher? What are your thoughts? Do you use these machines? And, and, and have you been in the same situation as Wendy's husband found himself in that it just gets spirals out of... Out of control, and as I was, I was talking about there, you know, we were talking about payday loans, and there Wendy mentioned it that people go and get payday loans so they can put it into the machine in the hope that they're going to win all their money back. And of course, in the majority of cases, that doesn't happen, does it? Scotland's talking the podcast.
Uh, regarding payday loans, Ali, uh, this one comes in from, let me see, it's Kenny. Right, Kenny says, uh, always check the ratings of any company before taking out a loan with these guys. Some companies are reasonable to trade with, but some are absolutely shocking. People should check the credibility of companies by using such sites as trustpilot.com. I had an experience of a company charging interest on a loan before it even reached my bank. Kenny, thank you for getting in touch. Uh, Jennifer, hi, how are you? Hi there. What's your point today? My point is I'm, <clears throat> I'm listening to it, but payday, the payday loan company are only a progression from, without naming names, another, another certain company that used to come and give you a loan at your front door and come every week and collect the payment. And they were predominantly for everybody who couldn't get credit anywhere else. They charged extortionate interest and then they had to take out a loan to pay off the last loan. They were actually paying because they couldn't afford to pay the woman at the door mm -hmm. and to run their home. They were then taking out a further loan to pay off that loan to have some free money. But they were getting deeper and deeper in debt. That was back... What twenty years ago? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's when. And we, and we know the company I'm Absolutely, talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're yeah. Talking. yeah, because they were they were in every housing estate. They were knocking on loads every of doors, door. every yep. door. Yeah, and, and it's just it's become socially acceptable. Mm. I mean, I, I defy any household to say they don't have some form of debt, oh, yeah. whether it's a mortgage or a credit card or whatever, or whatever. That these debts have got to be paid back before they can even buy a loaf of bread, or it affects your credit rating. That's the that's society we live in now. But even before that company that we've been talking about, years ago, there was still, the, you know, in my grandfather's day, say, there was always somebody in the factory who was slightly better off than the rest mm -hmm. and could afford to give them, you know, a few quid to the end of the week. But that few quid accrued a wee bit of interest. Yep. You know, They've taken it, but moving on to the modern day now, it, you know, so so this picture that we're getting, it's no different. It's a different picture, but it's the same picture that we've always had. It's, mo always, it's moved on it's from the door playing, streets. It's playing on the vulnerable. Yeah. It's playing on those who don't have money. And because they're high risk, they're taking high, they're charging high interest. If you have a good credit rating and a secure job, you can get 6% interest. If you have no job and you're needing money, you're paying fifteen hundred percent interest. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, moving on to the present day, what they've tried to eradicate loan sharks, but this is just a more upfront version of a loan shark. Moving from the doorstep to the high street—that's what it's done. Jennifer, sorry to cut you, but we are running out of time. Uh, Justin, hello there. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. What's your point today? My question I'd like to ask is when are people going to start taking responsibility for their own actions? People are always looking to blame the government now with having the gambling restrictions, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. At the end of the day, when are you going to start taking responsibility for what you do and stop blaming everyone else? So you're saying that a person has their own responsibility as to whether they walk into um, a, a, a betting office and put money into that machine, that's up to them? Absolutely. You know, the, the people are always looking to the government to say that the government's getting too involved in their lives. And then as soon as something goes wrong, the government must step in and must sort it out because it's now their fault. But if people like Wendy, and she's from Aberdeenshire, people like her have lost her partner, Lee, he took his own life after losing tens of thousands of pounds on the terminals and he just couldn't stop himself. Surely she's right in saying, you know, that there has to be a limit put on these machines to save people uh, that going through a crisis like this. Sure, I understand that point, but at the end of the day, that was his choice. There, there are places out there for you to get help for addiction. You want to start putting restrictions on gambling, someone that can afford to gamble slightly more, is now being told what he can and what he can't do. Are you a gambler? Uh, I'm not. My, my, my dad is actually a gambler. Gambling is not for me. Um, but my dad, you could maybe call it him, was, was quite a serious gambler, but he knew when to stop. He would get his pay every month. He would put a certain amount of money for his gambling. That, that was his entertainment. He didn't smoke. He didn't drink. So he said 
he takes this amount of money, and that's what he gambles with over the month. And uh, he very rarely went over that. He was quite disciplined, but that was his entertainment and, and his enjoyment. Now, he must be told, sorry, you cannot go and spend what you want to spend gambling anymore. Interesting point. I'm going to have to leave it there, Justin. Thank you very much indeed. Winding up the programme today, uh, Justin, with his thoughts on gambling regulations being coming in. Uh, the recommendation is, as I mentioned, that they should uh, you shouldn't be able to put any more than £30 in one go into these roulette game machines that you find in bookmakers. The Association of British Bookmakers saying it fully understands the public concern, but the £30 maximum stake would see 2,100 better shops closed and 10,000 jobs lost. Thank you very much indeed for your company today. I'm Ali Bally. Uh, Rob Waller is with you next Sunday on Scotland's Talk and whatever you're doing for the rest of this weekend, do enjoy. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking.